Welcome back to Critical Talking, guys. I am back. I am excited. A lot of things happened throughout 2021, but I'm glad to talk to my listeners to tell you what's been new, what's going to come up, and any future Marvel and DC projects you should look out for. So let's get into it. I have to say, Marvel really knows how to keep people's attention, especially when things go wrong. Marvel just released that they're expecting delays for big blockbuster movies such as Doctor Strange, The Multiverse of Madness, Black Panther 2, and this pushes back other projects such as Blade that's supposed to be released in 2022. With all the rumors of circling that could prevent these projects to be released, I think Warner Brothers needs to step up. This is their chance. Warner Brothers has been in the background of most of their projects from small success as Wonder Woman, Aquaman, but they're not making the same numbers as these Marvel projects. And I think because Marvel striked first, but now that Marvel is starting to die off with this phase four, this is when Warner Brothers needs to start pushing projects out really quickly. Not sacrificing content, but get it out in a timely manner so they can at least get impact on the demand for big blockbuster superhero movies. With Black Adam releasing their first trailer, is it is it's almost imperative that they should release it at least the summer of 2022. It such big names as The Rock with Pierce Brosden. I mean, I could see Warner Brothers really coming out on top if they're able to release it early. If Warner Brothers has a way of lacking behind Marvel with numbers, with plot lines, if they can actually capitalize on Black Adam, it could set a whole war with blockbuster movies this is just my opinion Warner Brothers needs to step up I don't know who's in their marketing who's planning out these movies but right now is the opportunity to strike and strike hard and strike first now next week one of I have to say I'm excited to see Spider-Man No Way Home they've been releasing little Easter eggs, little trailers here and there. People have theories was coming up. When I saw the trailer, I already could tell you just how, just pretty much the minds, the way that Marvel is operated. A lot of things in those trailers are digitally edited. You can, you can, some people who have the eye, they can tell, but a lot of the trailers don't take it for face value. There's a few scenes where you see certain, I guess, animations look a little off. I'll say that half of that isn't Tom Holland. Half of that is Andrew Garfield. I still believe Andrew Garfield is going to be the other Spider-Man. I don't think there's going to be three Spider-Mans. I think Tobey Maguire's cameo 
is going to be a exactly as that a cameo i don't think toby Maguire is going to suit up as spider-man no offense toby Maguire is a little older doing some of those stunts without requiring extensive stuntman work it's a little it's a little expensive in my opinion having toby Maguire step into the suit again especially with physique and you know age does add weight to it slows down your metabolism toby Maguire doesn't look the same as he did in 2001 so i i i feel like toby Maguire will be more like a flashback show uncle ben i still say toby Maguire is gonna be uncle ben i don't think he's gonna be spider-man i think he'll be more of an uncle ben character but andrew garfield i still believe andrew garfield will be the other spider-man that steps through the portal now mentioning that in few scenes i've already said norman osborne is not is he's going he's going to be norman osborne i think william defoe who played norman osborne aka green goblin in the first spider-man movie was iconic and knowing marvel they're not going to just skip out on using him again especially in a whole storyline where multiple enemies from multiple universes come in yeah i would sign on william defoe real quickly too but i feel like william defoe is not going to be he's going to be an older green goblin and the reason why i said this dr strange said that each one of these villains died at the hands of spider-man but if you look at the what if series the ancient one told dr strange that rachel will have rachel mcadams character would have to die to be a nexus event she's a nexus event yet her character didn't die in the mcu so i think that certain certain visions that the sorcerers tend to see is not quite right they're not a hundred percent right there there are moments where they can be wrong i think dr strange is wrong that each one of them has died in the hands of spider i think that green goblin has yes but the one that comes through is not the green goblin that died i think william defoe is an older green goblin who's killed spider-man and as the joker has said in many incarnations of batman the reason why batman and joker do the same dance over and over again because it's boring without him i think green goblin is going to kill spider-man in his universe and he is bored he comes through a portal he is old he's wiser that's why the whole dialogue about look at you little spider running in circles trying to save everybody is he's more of a reflection i still think that ned of the mcu dies it's he's going tom holland is going to have a personal death to him such as andrew garfield lost mary jane well, excuse me gwen stacy Toby Maguire has lost a lot of his mentors. Is Tom Holland 
Tom Holland's Spider-Man has not suffered great loss yet. You could say that in Endgame, but really Endgame with Iron Man, that was an Avengers movie. It wasn't Spider-Man. If you look at all the other Spider-Man movies, no one has died in Spider-Man movies. And I will come back to that. Now, Kevin Feige has hinted that this is going to set up the Sinister, Sinister Six. Now, if you look at the trailers, the few people that we have seen that is part of the Sinister Six is Green Goblin, Sandman, the Lizard, Electro, Doctor Octopus. That leaves two. That leaves one person. Now, a lot of people's been trying to guess who is the next person in the Sinister Six. And I think it can go oh, many different ways. But I think that Quentin Beck is not dead. Mysterio again said it. It was, it was very convenient how he could record him being killed right before he dies. I think it was too convenient. You could say, yeah, he was setting him up, but I think the ruse was the projections. He had one final projector that Spider-Man did not see. And the reason why is he relied on his spider senses to tell when he was about to be in danger. The spider senses never tells him. It doesn't reveal illusions spider senses is just used to tell him he's in danger now if quentin beck just used one little projector to make it to make one image all he had to do was make one image him sitting down on the floor dying his spider senses went, went off because the projector wasn't used doesn't have any weapon capabilities it's just used to project images I I still say Quentin Beck is alive. He's not dead. And Quentin Beck is the final person of the Sinister Six. That being said, I think Ned Leeds is going to die, but a different Ned comes through the portal and we have Hobgoblin. Ned grows crazy, jealous, more jealous of his workings with Spider-Man and he gets tired of being, I guess, as he says, the guy in the chair and goes experimenting on some gases and bombs and sets him off a path of becoming the hobgoblin. If the reason why I say this is because, again, we need a goblin. We see in the trailers where goblin is fighting Spider-Man. But if you freeze it just at the right moment, you realize that the goblin you see flying does not have a helmet. He has goggles, but he doesn't have a helmet. In the beginning of the trailer, yes, you see Goblin coming through, but but you don't see in the night in the night version of the fight, which I still say that's the final fight. He's missing the helmet, but you can sort kind of see his face, kind of like how 
in Spider-Man 3, Harry Osborn used the flight suit. He didn't use Green Goblin's mask. He had his own set of goggles, flight goggles. I think Ned Leeds is going to be the another version of Ned is going to be in this universe. I think that's why Tom Holland's Spider-Man is having difficulties of sending everyone back. The way in the dialogue between Doctor Strange and Peter Parker, so everyone has to go back. They must. He said, no, I don't want to send them to a fate, a fate like that. It seems like it's more personal. Not and again, not sound heartless, but a lot of people make their decisions. They they've made their decisions as their decisions. However, this new villain villain comes through. He reminds him too much of his best friend, and he feels like he can save his best. He couldn't save his best friend off the ledge, but he could save him this way. That being said, the jump scene where Mary Jane is falling. I do think that hand is not Peter is not Tom Holland's Peter Parker, but I do think it's Andrew Garfield because of the way the suit was made. This suit is more webbed. It's not is not technically technologically advanced. You don't see any circuitry. This is a webbed suit. And based off the color schemes, which I've seen all three Spider-Man's versions of all three iterations of Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield is a darker red. His red is almost, I don't want to say crimson color, but it is is a very darker red. His suit is a darker red and blue. Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man suit is a little bit brighter. It's not it's not as bright as the original, but it is a little brighter than Andrew Garfield's suit was. And based off the color scheme, that looked like it was actually Andrew Garfield who jumped off to save him. I feel like this is this is the Andrew Garfield from the Amazing Spider-Man movies that we've seen. This is not a different version. I feel like this is kind of like Andrew Garfield's redemption arc after missing Squin Stacy's save in The Amazing Spider-Man. Now, back to the Sinister Six. In a lot of the comic books, Norman Osborn runs the Sinister Six. I think he's still going to be the one who assembles them. I don't think that he's going to be too much in fighting shape. That also leaves one little one little problem. We have Venom in the storyline now. Venom was introduced in the MCU at the end of Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage. You see Golden Flash. He is looking at a bulletin from J. Jonah Jameson about the menace known as Spider-Man. And you see Venom suit up, lick the screen, and fades to black. I think Venom is going to try to fight Spider-Man until he realizes he's just a kid. Until, and I still say this, Quentin Beck is going to, as 
Quentin Beck is not quite the tactician. He doesn't realize, I guess, tactical advantages. He's going to really prevent a alliance with Venom. Venom's going to see that they're all evil. And he's going to team up with Spider-Man Tom Holland and Spider-Man Andrew Garfield. I think those three are going to be the actual team-ups, not Tobey Maguire. Again, Tobey Maguire is much, much older. And understanding how the body works, he can't do the same stunts he did back in 2001. Tobey Maguire was actually quite older playing Spider-Man in 2001. So I know playing him now, 20 years later, it's it's a whole different it's a whole different ball game so you i then again kevin feige can do a misdirect like he did with endgame avengers endgame a lot of people are speculating again i can't wait for the movie to come out all right got my ticket and i know i'm gonna enjoy it into its fullest including both in credit scenes now, moving on to Marvel Universe, show Hawkeye on Disney Plus was just released two weeks ago. We got Hawkeye, you see him in retirement again, enjoying his family in New York City during Christmas time, because again, everyone says no place like New York at Christmas. And there's a one woman named Kate Bishop recently got kicked out of school for doing crazy stunts with a bow and arrow stumbles upon some ancient some some different artifacts that was of Ronin with Clint's run with Ronin and she has to uncover a secret society of rich people seems like the classic Secret society trying to control everything in the underworld kind of plot line. But this is really good. This I'm really satisfied seeing Clint in more of a practical role than with the Avengers. Uh, Clint really does have some really good storylines that doesn't involve the Avengers. His run as a thief, his run as a shield agent there's clinton barton really is an interesting character when not paired with the avengers and seeing him with another like-minded archer i think that will be very interesting seeing his mentorship because throughout the series he's he's really just trying to retire in peace and of course kate bishop kind of throws that off he has to go save her because everyone thinks she's Ronan after Ronan killed a lot of people of the underworld. And after that, now they're trying to figure out the, what the society is trying to do, what they're trying to accomplish, what's so important at the auction that was stopped. It's, it's very, it's well written, especially for two very underutilized characters. Now, we've introduced one character, Echo. Echo is deaf. However, she's really skilled at 
hand-to-hand combat, mimicry, and it's already released that the actress has her own spinoff series titled Echo, and it'll be on Disney+. Plus. I hope that I've, for what I've heard, a lot of people say Echo really is a good standout character. She was a adoptive daughter of Kingpin, which when people start you, you know, bringing up Kingpin, Kingpin was part of the Daredevil series on Netflix. And, you know, after the, that studio dissolved into Marvel TV, it's, a lot of people have been trying to figure out when Kingpin's going to come back. I mean, Kingpin is one of the most <laughs> central characters of Marvel comic books. Kingpin has a hand in every underground dealings of everything in New York City. And outside of New York City, the world. So seeing... So seeing... Well, just hearing that Echo... Is in it gonna have a spinoff series? Is could potentially bring up a lot of a lot of good storylines, especially possibly bringing back Daredevil into a more central role, not just as a background character. Is again, it's be it'll be like it's, I I'm really excited it's especially here in kingpin kingpin was very central to daredevil to spider-man is again as a marvel fan i'm really excited if you if anyone else is added to the hawkeye series is the swordsman swordsman very skilled in using every type of sword from epe to saber very olympic level fencer and really is a huge villain against hawkeye so it's kind of it makes sense but in the series we don't know what's what's his allegiance was he what's what's his i guess in game hate to say it like that but What's what's the end game to this? But like I say, as the series continues, we'll find out. Now, for the TV on the other side, we're watching HBO Max. Doom Patrol just finished, and I really wish the audience would give Doom Patrol a chance. Doom Patrol is well written. It is a very strange show. It has kind of like Twilight Zone, Twin Peak vibes for superheroes. But I love it. I love the writing. I love the plot lines. The characters are well developed. Doom Patrol, to me, is actually one of the better shows for DC, HBO Max on DC. The characters are more closely represented as from the comic books. They, some of the storylines, I don't know Doom Patrol very well. I don't, I didn't follow Doom Patrol comic books 
the only thing I know is Beast Boy came from Doom Patrol and then joined the Teen Titans. That's all I know. But for the characters that are in Doom Patrol, yes, they they wrote them very well. They translate very well from comic books to TV. So I recommend watching the third season. If you haven't seen it, I recommend watching it from the beginning. Doom Patrol is, again, it's very weird. It is very weird, but it's in a good way. Now going on that, Titans. Titans as, again, Titans third season is also finished. And I can't say that I'm upset, but I know how the storyline goes for Jason Todd. Of course, when they introduced Jason Todd in the first, in the first season, followed him in the second season. All the thing in the back of my mind, I knew Jason Todd's going to die. It's inevitable, whether he's going to die on screen or die off you know, you do know, during between seasons two and three, Jason Todd's gonna die. Again, if you see All in the Family, is no sorry, Death in a Family, you would know Jason Todd's gonna die. Is how it goes. Joker kills him. He gets resurrected. There's different ways he gets resurrected. Different reasons. All is Raja Ghul resurrects him. In this season. I was hoping that it would follow more of that storyline of him being resurrected, taking revenge and, you know, whole redemption arc and, you know, deciding to keep his humanity instead of being cold blooded assassin, but they did not. And so for that reason, I say Titans is a great show if you don't follow the comic books. For fans of Teen Titans, for fans of Dick Grayson of Raven of Starfire of the Bat family I'll say yeah don't don't try to make comparisons just watch it for just for entertainment purposes it's not it does not follow any part of the comic books I have a lot of criticism with it especially the third season second season was okay I was I was quite satisfied with how it ended. Third season, I have a lot of notes. One, Starfire's power is now it's getting a little more problematic for me. Starfire throws bolts, doesn't shoot out literal fire. And the reason why I say that is because we're going to get into other characters which now HBO Max can use that actually literally uses fire and throws like flamethrower type powers and on screen it'll be looking kind of weird having two people doing the same power Blackfire I'm glad they use Blackfire in this capacity instead of being just an all out villain Blackfire is not a complete villain. She's more of a misunderstood character. I'm glad that Blackfire and Starfire have a great relationship now at the end of this season. I like Blackfire's romance with Connor. It's cute. 
again, two of the biggest outsiders of the group fall in love with each other. They to say it for being outsiders. They fall in love because they are outsiders. So black them using Blackfire, I was kind of skeptical. It's like, ugh, they're just adding people now. But no, it was good. Raven not being there for half of the season. Well, three quarters of the season was problematic for me. Yes, I know Raven's power is really, really powerful. And half the time she can just dispatch anyone real quickly. I get that. That's fine. That's not the issue. My issue is she is a big member of the Teen Titans. And you don't show her for the first four episodes. Have her in there for a few episodes in the middle. And then have her fighting in the last two. I just don't think they balance that very well. Beast Boy. This whole... I can only turn into a tiger and randomly a bat is getting problematic. Beast Boy can turn into any animal he can think of, including ones that are extinct and prehistorical. And you still, after three seasons, still have him reduced to changing into a tiger. Again, I hopefully for the next season, they they sit there and say he solves this issue, whatever this mental block he has, he solves it. Because really, it is very... Beast Boy's power is very useful in battle. It's very useful in reconnaissance. And the fact is, he can only use one form. It's getting, it's getting redundant now. It was, a fun, it was a funny joke at the beginning, the very first season. Second season, he should have been able to at least the turn into animals he's seen. By third season, I would think he would figure out how to turn into animals he has not seen and animals that are instinct. And then eventually, other worldly, worldly creatures like Martian creatures and creatures on Ran and different creatures like that. But the fact is he is stuck in tiger form is making me like Beast Boy less and less. Now, Dick Grayson, Dick Grayson is who he is, tactician, cold. I understand whenever cameras come by, he reverts to the shadows, disappears. No one even knows that Nightwing is even in the building. I do like that. That's training. That's He's like Batman. Like you say, he's still, he doesn't do the front light. He is still like Batman. I appreciate that. They pretty much stuck true to that character 100%. Now, through the third season, Jason Todd's arc from being kicked off the Titans, from being benched by Batman, and they all ultimately leads to the portrayal. I did not look... Jason Todd's a lot of things, but... Just to go back and portray Bruce Wayne like that was a little harsh. Now, Jason Todd does a lot of things, destroy a lot of things. I expected him to blow up the Batcave. Yeah, that's fine. Expected that. But if 
do you want an actual redemption arc, they should have picked a different character. Such as Terra, who has betrayed the Titans before. But if the writers do want to actually spice it up a bit, I'd tell them introduce a different character who's outside of the Teen Titans and don't add characters who are not. At the end of this third season, we're introduced to Tim Drake. And I think starting out, I don't know how they're going to do a season four, but they have written Tim Drake accurately. He is the best detective. Tim Drake in this series has figured out who Bruce Wayne was, figured out Jason Todd, and figured out Dick Grayson. He like he's a huge fan of the Bat family. He actually literally figured out everyone's identity. And the fact is he didn't tell anyone or prove it to anyone made me trust him more. Now, Tim Drake, a lot of times, he does get a little reckless, which is why he got shot. But coming back from that, figuring out a way to save save Gotham City, he's. I'm glad they portrayed Tim Drake as being really intelligent and just being just as much as a tactician as Dick Grayson is. I always said... Tim Drake and Dick Grayson are similar in that way. It's just Tim is a better detective. He could figure things out real quickly. He figured out Scarecrow's army army's movements before everyone else could. So I think that with season four coming, Tim Drake really has a way to shine. At the end of season three, Dick Grayson told him he's going to have a lot of training, which when you see it, yeah, he needs a lot of training. Of course, no one's been trained like they've been trained. True enough, but Tim Drake, Tim Drake's training will definitely make him a really big asset in being Robin. And I hope that they utilize him being his own his own Robin character not anyone who's supposed to be a successor kind of like how Jason Todd was a successor supposed to replace Tim Drake on the team I hope that they do utilize the staff I'm glad that when it came to their weapons their weapons were very comic book accurate Dick Grayson can charge up his sticks I hope that the co- the costumes are also accurate a lot of times they show Robin with a hood but the only Robin that used that was Damian Wayne Damian Wayne is the son of Bruce Wayne I hope that they don't try to mix the Robins together kind of like how the video games would mix Tim Drake and Damian Wayne's look together so I'm I'm really hopeful for this fourth season. I hope that they try to stick more to the comic books than try to take free reign. A lot of times that's when, especially fans of the show, have a little problem with it. 
honestly, you can't, you gotta have some leeway to certain things, but changing stories completely is not the best move for Warner Brothers. They really need to actually stick closer to the storylines. And I think that's why Marvel is doing so well because they've stuck really close to the new 52 storylines. But on top on that note, I'm going to say thank you for listening. I hope that at least my theories are right about No Way Home. I think it'll make it very exciting. I hope that Warner Brothers does step up to the plate and try to take over the comic book movie scene. This is the perfect time for them, especially with all the delays that's coming up. And I hope that their writing for all their shows come better. Next week, we're going to discuss new Netflix shows that will be coming out at the end of this month, including Cobra Kai. Again, if you listen to my podcast, you know I am a huge fan of The Karate Kid and seeing Cobra Kai flourish the way it has. I'm really excited to talk about it. So until next time, just remember, talk critically.